You're listening to audio from Citizens Church, located in Plano, Texas. For more information about this ministry or to give to this ministry, please visit citizenschurch.com. Hey, that was incredibly gracious. Thank you. Thanks, Jamin. I love you. I uh, can tell you what happened just when I walked up. So I, I, I walked in and was eager to, to worship. And I was setting my stuff down, and I, I kind of did this pivot to turn, and I stepped on the communion cup. I don't know if that's a bad omen or what, but I, I did. But it, it broke, and I must have hit it at such an angle that it shot up all the juice all over my arm and my shirt and my leg. And so that's how I walked in this morning, and I just thought, you know what? This is great. This is going to be great. So uh, beware of those cups. They're right there underneath your chairs. Uh, as I learned, but uh, it really is a gift for me to be here. Uh, I, I feel honored. Uh, I am deeply thankful. Uh, I, I love you guys. I, I, I really do. And there are some familiar faces and deep, deep friendships here for me. And uh, you just need to know that I love y'all uh, a whole lot. I don't know how good the sermon will be, but it's just meaningful for me to be here with you. And uh, there's a whole lot of gratitude uh, in, in my heart for that. So let me, let me just give you a quick update. And Jamin talked about it uh, a little bit as he talked about your story as a church, as you will turn to, which is hard to believe, next week and celebrate that. And I was here two years ago for that particular service, and, and that was a meaningful time for all of us who were a part of that. Uh, and the village, which is where I, I have pastored for the last 17 years, in July just commissioned or just sent off our final campus. So our South Lake campus on July 1st transitioned to become Restoration Church. And we are now campus free and have transitioned five other campuses to become local churches just like you. And uh, we are thrilled uh, to be empty nesters, so to speak. We're thrilled for this particular season of life, but more than that, thrilled to see these congregations like you, take hold and take shape and own the mission and own the the contextual opportunities that you have here in Plano that are unique. They're different than Flower Mound or Denton or Dallas or Fort Worth or Southlake. It's just different, and and it is a real gift for me to be back here with you. So uh, that's my my long intro. Just know that my heart's full, and I'm grateful. Uh, I do want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a man that had a tremendous impact on me. Uh, His name is Harry Tibbles. In in all likelihood, you've never met Harry Tibbles, uh, and you won't have the opportunity to meet Harry Tibbles um, until glory. He passed in 2006. But Harry Tibbles in, in my family is known as Granddaddy. And Granddaddy is Natalie, my wife's granddad. And so when Natalie and I started dating all the way back in 1998, uh, I was introduced to Harry Tibbles, and this is what you need to know about Harry and his wife, Retha, who we call Nan. Uh, Harry and Retha Tibbles, by far and away, have impacted me the most in one particular area, the area of generosity. And if I could just say it another way, there has been no other couple that has a, had a greater impact in my life around the area of generosity than Harry and Retha Tibble, Nan and Granddad. And that generosity was not just a generosity that I got to see out there. It's a generosity that we have experienced in our home. 
And it's a generosity that I am extremely grateful for. And he has, granddaddy has, painted a picture for me of what it looks like when a man or a woman's heart is captured by the grace of God and then in turn responds with a generosity knowing that he has been dealt with generously, how then could I not be a generous person? I think about him all the time. I think about his impact, and I think about Nan's impact. She's still with us, she's 98. Let me tell you a little bit of the story. So uh, Harry Tibbles moved his family from Shreveport to Wiley, Texas in 1960. We know Wide Awake Wiley, just, just east of us here. And uh, in 1960, uh, it was not the same bustling town that it is now, but it, you, you had this small growing community that was just kind of to the northeast of Dallas, and Harry Tibbles opened the Wiley Supermarket. So if you think about just the, the transactions and the opportunity to interact with people, he was around the community day in and day out from 1960 until his last day in 2000. And six. But let me speak to how he was generous in his community. A couple of examples. Um, he was a longtime member, 40 plus year member at First Baptist Church Wiley. And when there were benevolent needs in the congregation, what they would do is they would give a voucher to the family or the individual that had a need, and they would send them across the street because that's exactly where the supermarket was from the church to take that voucher, to fill up a grocery cart full of groceries or whatever the needs might be. And then granddaddy was to take the voucher and turn it back into the church for reimbursement. Well, for 40 years, he never did. He just never turned in a voucher. He just quietly, humbly, and generously met the needs of those in his community. Just the type of man that he was. Uh, later in life, as he saw the educational needs and opportunities in Wiley, he and, and Nan gave the seed gift to the Wiley Education Fund to start an endowment of scholarships for Wiley students. Well, that, that's kind of the, the community, the, the, the big type of generosity that we got to see from Nan and Granddad. But then I experienced it personally. If I could just share with you a memory that I have uh, when the grandkids would show up at an event, and, and we're the grandkids, by the way, uh, so Natalie and her siblings are the grandkids, and then there started to be these great-grandkids that started showing up as well. And we, we'd be there for a birthday or a Christmas or a Thanksgiving or whatever it might be, and I have this image of granddaddy. He'd be sitting in a chair or on the couch, just kind of just outside of the activity, and he's watching and he would survey the room. And he's got his kids and his grandkids and his great-grandkids. And I would see this trademark tear that would quietly like slip out of his eye. And it was almost as if I could read what was going on in his heart. As if he was saying, Lord, you have been so good to me. You've been so kind to me. And then we would leave, and without fail, he'd bring Natalie in close for this hug, and he would always just slip her a $100 bill, which I loved. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is great. This is great. Um, here's the deal. I have no idea where that $100 is, but I know where the impact is. The impact remains. 
That hundred bucks is long gone, but I still think about the impact of a generous man and a generous woman. I still think about it. Fifteen years after his passing, I am still considering how can I become a man like this? Because I have tasted and seen, I've been on the receiving end of a person's generosity. And that generosity is a responsive generosity that when I see it, I go, that is good. It's right. I want to be that kind of man. I want my family to have that type of testimony. And I realize this. I'm going to preach a message on generosity. And for some of us, it's like, praise the Lord. That's good and right. I'm eager. Some of you are gifted in that way. And then for some of us, this brings up the potential for shame, hesitancy. You may think, oh, here we go. Another church, another sermon on giving. That's what Jamin asked me to talk on, and so that's why <laughs> I'm doing it. Is that fair? It's, it's maybe not fair, it's honest. I'm just kidding. I have no intention to do anything other than paint a picture of what the scriptures would say is good and right. That's it. And I trust the Spirit to do what the Spirit will do. There will be no shame. There will be no, I'm not, I'm, I, there will be no manipulation. There will just be an opportunity for us to look at the text and see what generosity does, not only in the hearts of those who take a step towards it, but also in the hearts of those who are impacted by it. So here's my sermon in one sentence. You ready for this? Generous grace givers, that's granddaddy. Generous grace givers are motivated by an inward gospel reward and an outward gospel response. Generous grace givers, they are motivated by an inward gospel reward and an outward gospel response. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. It says this, Now I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed as it is written. He scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all, while they also by prayer on your behalf yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let me pray. Father, 
We do thank you for your indescribable gift. I pray for this congregation, if there is only one thing they hear and see this morning, would it be that you are a generous and gracious God who gives? And if we never take a step towards generosity, may we see that you have already taken a step towards us. You've given us your son. And so like the Apostle Paul here, we say thanks be to God for your indescribable gift. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Just a little context here. The Apostle Paul wrote 2 Corinthians. He's writing in this particular passage, encouraging the Corinthian church to take a step towards generously helping out the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem had come on hard times, and he was writing to them saying, would you be a part of generously serving this congregation? And earlier, he says this, he talks about the Macedonian church. The Macedonian church had stepped up and had given, and we are asking you to do the same thing. And so he writes here in 2 Corinthians 9 about that particular ask. But here's what I want you to see. The first thing that I want you to see in this text, that first aspect of motivation, is that you and I get to see there's actually a personal reward. There's some type of gift that is given to those who step forward in generosity. And the first gift, the first reward is this reality that we get to experience personal provision. That in our giving, as we take a step forward in generosity, we get to experience through this step of faithful dependence this reality. Oh, he's met my needs. Oh, he, he is faithful. I, I can actually let go. I can open up. I can take a step. Why? Because he has me. I can let go of this thing that it does have value, but I am not left alone as I give. I am left with the fact that he has and is meeting my needs. I want you to look and listen for these words. I want you to look and listen for the words all and every. Check this out in verse eight. God is able to make all grace abound to you in your giving so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So the gift, the reward, as I take a step towards generosity, is that I get to testify. He has met my needs. He's faithful. You know, it's one thing, church, to, to sit in the congregation or, or to be wherever you and I might find ourselves and to hear another testify. It's, it's one thing to read about it or to see it. It's quite another thing to experience it personally. It's another thing to be immersed in the experience of being cared for by God Almighty. It's another thing to take that step, and it may not even be a step of generosity, but a step of faith, a step of dependence, a step of trust. 
And on the other end of that kind of courageous step, which at times can be unnerving, to be met with this beautiful truth. He has me. He's faithful. He's faithful to me. Now, it's easy at times for us to look out and go, yeah, yeah, he's been faithful to you and, and to you and to you, and, and I know he's been faithful to them, but there are times I don't know. But to know, church, to know firsthand that he has you, that, yeah, he cares about the sparrow, how much more does he care about you? That's what you and I get to experience in this We get to say and to testify and to be enveloped in the experience of, oh, he has me. He's trustworthy with me. But it's not just this personal reward of provision that I get to experience. But it's also this reward of a personal increase. There's something that is increasing that Paul talks about here. As I take a step forward in generosity, he talks about a personal increase. If I give, something will increase. Now, there are teachings out there, not from Paul or the Bible, that would say, if I give a dollar, I'll get 10. If I give 10, I'll get 100. That's not what Paul's talking about. But Paul is talking about something will increase. Look at verse 10. He says this. Now, who, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. What's the increase? Well, the increase is the harvest of your righteousness. Now, in 2 Corinthians 5, just a couple chapters earlier, which may be one of my, it is, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. That particular chapter is incredibly meaningful to me. At the end of it, Paul writes, He made him who knew no sin to be sin, that in him you and I might become the righteousness of God. What Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 5 is a righteousness that you and I are given through Christ. That's the righteousness that occurs at what's called justification or when you come to faith. He is talking about a different righteousness here. He is talking about a righteousness that is linked to sanctification. As I grow in Christ, I look more like Christ. As I take a step towards generosity, this harvest of my righteousness is a harvest that looks like Uh, a growth, a fruit, a reward that I am looking more like the God who gives. As I take a step forward in becoming a more generous person, then I am looking more like the God who gives. Now, if we could pause here and think about this inward gospel reward. This inward gospel reward, these motivations that are happening inside of me, that one, I get to experience provision as I trust him. And two, I get to experience a harvest of righteousness. My heart starts to be softened, tenderized, 
shaped, molded to look like the Father. Now the question is, do I want that? Like believer, does that motivate you or me? If I could be candid, there are days when it motivates me more than other days. Can I get an amen, anybody? There are days when I, I want some things to increase that may not be a harvest of righteousness. Like, is there anybody in here that doesn't want their salary to increase? Is there anybody in here that doesn't want their 401k to increase? I, I want mine to increase. Feel free to tell the Village Church, I would love to see an increase in those things. I have four kids, four college educations, three daughters, three weddings. I, Lord, have mercy, may things increase, right? But, and I think, I think we know this deep in our core. At the end of the, end of the matter, at the end of, the, end of all the kind of worldliness that envelops us, I grew up in Plano. I get this. I get it. But when you really dig down deep and you find out what really matters, it's not really that. And when I, when I have those moments of clarity and all the buzz kind of quiets, the kind of man that I want to be is more important to me than the financial status that I will have. And there are times when I just need to get up to the mountaintop, so to speak, and to get that perspective and clarity and be reminded. I just need that. I, I want a harvest of righteousness. I, I want my heart to be shaped. I, I want to be molded to look like Christ. Why? Because he is magnificent. He is majestic. He is loving and gracious and kind and generous. I want to be that kind of man. I want you to be that kind of church. This is what I want to motivate me. And it's super easy to be confused and to get off track. And so maybe, maybe what the Apostle Paul has for us, or better said, what the Spirit has for us this morning, is just kind of a, a riding of the ship of our hearts. Just to be reminded, now this is what I want. This is what I'm after. I want to trust you. I want to look like you. Romans 12 would say, this is God's will for my life. Like, this is what he's after for me. And here's the good news. Well, it just keeps getting better. So it's not only is there this inward reward, but there's an outward response that is also really meaningful. There's an outward response when those who take a step in being a generous grace giver, on the other end of that, there is a recipient. There is somebody who gets to experience the grace of receiving, okay? And what I want to point to here is what Paul is going to show us, there's a response. These people receive a gift, people who are in need, and what does that receiving do in them? Well, check this out. 
The, the, the outward response, verse 12, needs are met. Verse 12, God is glorified. Verse 13, obedience is demonstrated. Verse 13, charity is contributed. Verses 14 and 15, intercession is made. Let me say that again. You have needs that are being met, genuine needs that are being met. You have God being glorified, obedience demonstrated, charity contributed, and intercession made. It's verses 12 through 15. So needs are being met. He says right here, for this ministry, for the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing many thanksgivings to God. So I think about granddaddy, I think about those vouchers that those families in Wiley in 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000. I wonder what their response was. You know, to be in a situation like that is challenging to say the least. And it's a situation that most of us in here, I would bet, have not experienced. But to take a step forward when you've come on hard times and to be met with grace and love and then tangible, actual needs being met, I am a thousand percent confident that the overwhelming majority of those people with deep gratitude in their hearts said thank you, thank you. There's a basket full of food here when there wasn't when I walked in, thank you. You have met my needs in a tangible way, thank you. And that thanksgiving doesn't just go horizontal, that thanksgiving goes vertical. And what happens in a heart? Like think about your own heart. And maybe it wasn't needs for groceries, but without raising your hand, how many of you in here have come on hard times or a situation when you just needed a need to be met? I don't know what it was. And then to have that need met. Gratitude? Like you see me? You care about me, even me, all the way over here in Wiley or Plano or Dallas or Flower Mound or Highland Village or Richardson, McKinney. You, you, with all the busyness that you've got going on, God. Oh, his eye really is on the sparrow. You really do see me. Actual, tangible needs being met. And then it goes on, and, and, and he says here that not only is our needs met, thanksgiving goes up, God being glorified, that obedience is demonstrated, verse 13, because of the proof given by this ministry, the ministry of giving, they will glorify God for your obedience. What's the proof? Well, he says it's, it's your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them all. So what Paul is saying here, if I could just put it in a different phrase, there is no such thing as a stingy Christian. It's just not. 
The proof of this ministry is your obedience to the gospel. As you and I understand the gospel and walk forward in the gospel, that there is proof that's being seen that what's happened inwardly in our hearts should begin to overflow and start happening outward. And there's a link between Christianity and generosity. And if there's not, right, there is some issue going on in our hearts. That's what Paul's saying. He says, thanks be to God for the proof of your obedience, the proof that this gospel is real. And it shows up. Now I realize this, um, that there may be some in here that are in a different situation. My guess is most of you are well-resourced. And what I mean by that is, is maybe not you're driving any car you want, living any life you want to live, but your needs are met. And there may be some in here whose that situation is not true. I mean, the reality is when I finish here today, I can go home and I can eat lunch with food that I bought. Or I can go out to eat. I have this freedom of choice because of the financial situation that I'm in. Here's the reality. Citizens, look at me. That is not everyone's reality. That, that is likely your reality. And I would venture to say there may be some in and among your congregation that that is not their reality. And so what Paul is saying here is you and I have the opportunity to step forward to meet the needs of the saints, to meet the needs of the community. Every need? No way. Can't do it. But to take a step forward in faithfulness, to meet those needs by God's grace as many as we can. I want you to be that kind of church, and I believe that you are. I want the village to be that kind of church, and I believe that she is. But may we continue to grow in the grace of the gospel so that this is what we look like as a people. Generous, yes, with our time, yes, with our talents, all of that, yes, with our finances, yes. And the opportunity for you and me to take that step of what Paul has just called obedience, but is also a step of faith. And then we get to testify, he has me. As I look and survey opportunities to serve, he has me. And then I also just want to point out that the list of benefits continues to go on. Needs met, thanksgiving to God, God's glorified, obedience of the proof of this ministry, intercession being made. People praying for you because you have served them. Like think of all the gospel activity that just got sparked and, and kind of dusted up through this generous act. As Christians, as a church, that type of flurry of gospel activity should be exactly what we want. 
Do we want intercession being made? Do we want God being glorified? Do we want needs being met? Do we want the gospel to be declared and demonstrated? Do we want there to be a proof and a connection between Christianity and generosity? Yes! We long for all of this. If this is not what we're up to or what we're about, I don't know what we're doing. I just get, I get fired up when I think about this. I really do. I'll tell you a couple stories and I'll be done. <clears throat> uh, every year, uh, for 15 plus years at the village, and uh, you, you are connected to this. Uh, I want you to know that. How many of you were, were part of the village uh, as a campus? Okay. You're connected to what I'm about to share. Uh, you have been a generous people. The village people, I can't believe I just said that, but the village people <laughs> have been and are a generous people. At the end of the year, every year, the elders at TVC would evaluate um, our financial situation. And every year for the last 15 years, we have had a generous surplus. That only happens through the generosity of the church, period. And they have evaluated that surplus and set aside a large chunk of money and given it to the staff, hang with me, so that we might have an opportunity to consider people. So every month we do a deal as a staff called Restore. And uh, we get together on, on a Wednesday uh, every month. We've done it every month for 15 years. Citizens now does it, which is amazing. Um, and we would take that allotment of money and we'd break up into groups of uh, 15 different groups and each group would have uh, this same dollar amount. And that group would prayerfully consider the needs of the church, of missionaries, of church planters, of single moms, of neighbors, of the community. And then we would give to them. And by we, I mean you. You would. It wasn't a gift from the staff. It was a gift from the church. And then we would come back together. We'd, we'd divvy it all up and have the amounts. And we'd come back together. And you guys, you guys were all a part of this. You were there. And we would just go through the roll call. This group gave this amount to this missionary. This group gave this amount to this church planner. This group gave this amount to this single mom. This group gave this amount to another single mom. This group gave this amount to this neighbor who's not connected to the village, but we know that has, is being ministered to and reached out to by this person who is. Year after year after year, it is my favorite thing we do. Needs are being met. Contribution is being given. Truly, I mean, truly, it's remarkable. And what's happening is the gospel is advancing. Uh, the gospel is painting a picture. And Paul ends with this picture. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's interesting, he ends the chapter with that verse, but that verse is actually the foundation for the entire chapter. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, therefore. 
Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And church, if it, and I prayed it. I prayed it yesterday. I will say it again now. If there's only one thing that I hope that you get from this, it's that God is generous to you in Christ. And there are some of you who have come in this morning, and your poverty is not a poverty of resource. It may not even be a poverty of relationship, but it's a spiritual poverty. Uh, It's a poverty of being bankrupt by sin. And I want to say to you with all gladness of heart that God Almighty has given an indescribable gift to you. And his indescribable gift to you is the gift of his son. He gave his son to you. He gave him to you so that you might receive in this gift forgiveness, a washing and a cleansing, reconciliation, hope, a right relationship vertically with a God that you are distant from now, a hope for an eternal future with him forever, a walking out of darkness into his marvelous light, a community of family, of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's actually a gift that you just keep opening over and over again, and it's layered with goodness. And it comes free from the heart of a generous God who sees you. He loves you. And he is with open hands offering you his son. It's there for the taking. I'll close with this. Um, Word got out in Wiley about granddaddy. People talk, y'all know that, right? People talk. Here's how the talk started happening. Uh, it was things like, <clears throat> you know, we, we fell on some hard times and he'd hate for me to say this, but you know, Harry Tibbles over there uh, was really gracious. And, um, and then somebody else would say, you know, I'll, I'll be darned. <laughs> I don't know why I'm using this like slang, I'll be darned. Uh, I don't really talk like that. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to go like 1960s Wiley. Um, let's talk normal. But people started finding out that they had done these things. Their giving was quiet. It was behind the scenes. It's what the scriptures would say the, the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. But people's gratitude was not quiet. And so the community started to talk and word on the street was um, this family, who we get to call Nan and Granddad, um, they've impacted us, not just with our needs, but with education far and wide. Um, And so the community responded and said, we want to give a gift back to you. And so if you head over to Wiley, um, you can drive by Tibbles Elementary 
and they named an elementary school in their honor. <laughs> I got to be there for the ribbon cutting. God, it was amazing. And there was that trademark tear. It was like he got to survey again. Isn't the Lord good? He spent the last few years of his life there with his wife in the library reading books to elementary age kids. And if I think about a legacy and a kind of life that I want to have, I don't need an elementary school named after me. I just want internally to know I am that kind of man. And I want that for us. Here's the reality. I actually have no idea if Harry Tibbles was wealthy. I have no idea. I, I, but I know for dang sure that he was generous. Can we pray and ask the Lord to make us that kind of people? Father, we come before you. And I do pray, I ask. You know this is a consistent prayer in my heart. Uh, that I, I long for this as a man, for my family. I can't get away from the impact of this generosity. So thank you, God. And I pray for citizens. I know there are some in here today who have been given the unique spiritual gift of generosity. May that gift increase in them. I also know that what Paul is talking about is not the gift of generosity. He's talking about Christians who are generous. We're not talking about a unique spiritual gift. We're talking about the reality of what we as believers walk in. So make it true among us. Make it tangible and felt. I pray for those who might be struggling in here. I, I pray that their needs would be met. If there are physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs. And may the testimony of this church be that our needs have been met fully in Christ. What a gift you have given us in Jesus. We thank you so much, Lord. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.